Get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Nice cock! Nice cock! I've been promoing this for a couple of weeks now because this is by far the biggest guest that I've had on my podcast so far. And I was absolutely shocked that she agreed to do this because, you know, she is a big star in Orlando. And, you know, a lot of people hear our radio station that I used to work on, uh, Real Radio 104.1. And now that she's not on the air right now, she agreed to do it because there was no chance because we're, we're known as the rats of media in Orlando. No, so. you guys were always so gracious and awesome to me. I loved coming because I could actually talk like a normal person and, you know, have an opinion about things. On now, your- did you ever come on the show uh, on Real Radio at all? Yeah, I can't. Who was I? I was on twice. First, when I got to Orlando, I did kind of like a promotional radio tour. So I was on very briefly with... Uh, was it the probably monster still morning? Well, I bet. No, it was. No, you were probably on. You were probably on the air at that time. Yeah. So I did the morning show for a while. And then I came in for an afternoon show when I was still working at Fox. So yeah, but everybody's just always really nice and funny. And I love it. I love it. Now you, you, you brought that up, you know, as, as an anchor and, and a reporter working in news, you guys don't really get to go off script much, you know, and, and mm-hmm. us in radio, we're able to just do whatever we want to do and, and kind of go off script. Is, is that something that newscasters, they, even though, like I said, radio, in my opinion, is at the bottom. Is that something that you guys are like, man, I wish we could do that, but we got to stick to a script. We got to read off the teleprompter. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly stories that you cover that you wish you had the ability to be more candid with your opinions. But, you know, I think there's a real respect to for knowing that our opinions don't matter. And, you know, I always get really critical of seeing TV people think that they're the story too much. So just go in, you know, offer your professional commentary on the topic at hand. But at the end of the day, it's not about you. So I always kept that in mind. I mean, yeah, there are times for it, for sure. Like, this is great. And obviously, I'm outside of the the journalist, the, the, the traditional journalist route right now, so I can share my opinions freely. But I think it's important to respect that because I think our country is now seeing the impact of people who we thought were journalists who are really just uh, sort of um, TV editorialists. Yeah. And we mistook that for news for so long, right? You know, after 7 p.m., there's no true news. It's it's all editorial on TV. So you, you can really mess things up if you don't try to stay in your lane. But yeah, it's nice to be able to do it now for sure. Yeah, see, a lot of people get that confused because, you know, they, they watch like Fox News, all the 24-hour news networks. Mm-hmm. And that's really not news because a lot of that is opinionated journalism. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a point in the day. I remember watching a lot of the cable news, cable channels would tend to put their uh, real news, you know, their objective news in the, a block in the morning, one block at noon and a block at night. But it was filled in in the meantime, like you said, especially in prime time with uh, with opinion journalism. So it, people, you know, we got to a point where we, our TVs were always on and 
noise was always in the background. So we started to think that that was real journalism, but you have to be um, a keen sort of um, consumer of news in that way, especially these days, you know, because we're inundated, there's social media, there's cable channels. It's like, ah, so you have to be smart too, as a consumer and understand what you're viewing. Now, let's let's talk about your blog, your website. I've gone through it, and, and I think it's very interesting, especially with the pandemic we're going through. A lot of mothers, you're, you're a mother of three, uh, and, and your blog, you do a lot of different things, but I would say the main focus is stuff that mothers have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell people about your blog, why you started it and where they can find it. Yeah. So uh, the, the guiding force behind all my writing has always been just sort of an authentic sort of peek into motherhood from my perspective. And that is important to me to put out content that respects um, the reality of the really difficult moments that are motherhood and parenthood. So I do have, you know, it's nice to have really pretty pictures put up and to talk about, I do a lot of talk about beauty products because working in TV, you get to like use all this stuff and it's fun and it's a diversion from real life. But a lot of my writing on motherhood, it does, it focuses around, um, you know, the mental health aspect of motherhood, um, dealing with the stress that can sometimes come with it. We, you know, there's a lot of like funny, I'm, I'm, pretty lighthearted in my approach to how I view a lot of the crazy stuff that happens in parenthood. So I just, it's kind of like an online journal and and, um, it's also with the podcast become a place where I've brought on a ton of experts too. So because I've always been, I mean, I'm just like you, like I love talking to people. I get bored talking about myself. So with the podcast too, I've started to take all these great interviews I've done with authors and experts and not just in motherhood, but in self-care and health and take them and put them in, make them into blog posts. And I, I, I talk to these amazing people. We're talking about, you know, I don't know, uh, hormone health or, um, I did a whole interview on internet safety with a, with a girl who was abducted after meeting someone online and I, I put it in onto the blog. So it's not just like you're going to go find the greatest shade of lipstick, which you will, but there's real stuff on there too, oh, yeah. because you know, life is so much, it's, it's crazy and real stuff. And it's also some of the fun and fluffy. So that's what the blog is too. Now you, you, you talk about mental health. Uh, you, you're a mother of three and this is something that doesn't get talked a lot about in this country. Did you ever deal with postpartum or anything like that? Or is that something you've discussed on? Yeah. on your Absolutely. Yeah. I dealt with postpartum anxiety with, after the birth of my second, my second child, my daughter, our first daughter. So I have a son who's seven now, my first daughter's five and, and the baby's three. And right in, right after I had her, I mean, after having our first, I think I was a little bit just kind of spaced out for a while. I mean, your hormones are just, it's like, a roller coaster. So I think I, you know, I was stressed out, but I got back to work just fine. Um, after our second, I just was, just became a really, it was like my habit and my daily chore to just worry about everything. So I really now, dealt with anxiety. For people that don't know what postpartum is, can, can you explain it a little bit for, for people that don't know what it's about? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, from a non-medical kind of perspective, I'll do the best to explain, but based on my conversations with, I mean, again, people I've interviewed and my own doctors, um, your body just goes through these massive hormonal and chemical changes as you go from pregnancy through those nine, 10 months after the delivery of the baby and beyond. So what you're dealing with chemically speaking in the brain is just a cascade of like 
chemicals and changes and um, adjustments that your body is, and brain have never had to deal with before. And it's just can feel like an alien <laughs> inhabits your body. Like you're like, oh my God, I never, I never worried this much. I've always been a, a little bit of a worry warp, but my anxiety really kicked in after my second was born. And I was still working full time and it wasn't, um, it's not, it wasn't clinical anxiety. It was not, it was diagnosed as postpartum anxiety. So it was for a finite period of time, but I will say this now we have our third, I think I'm just generally more anxious now. That's the trade-off for being on this earth, right? No one guaranteed when we came here that every day was a day at the park or a picnic. I mean, we, I feel like all of us have been through enough at this point in our own lives to understand that that's the, that's the price of admission at this place. Oh, you know, yeah. we, we get the downs and then you appreciate the ups more. Now I do think, you know, there's always, there's always shades of how, you know, how bad your downs are, how long. And of course that's when you, you know, speak to your own healthcare providers, but to put out this, uh, you know, this, this narrative that, you know, life is great. It's just, it's not a great every day. And every single person that you see on TV, that you see on social media, I promise you has their issues. Yeah. Promise. With me right now is Sunny Abada. Check out her website, sunnyabada.com. Now, one of the things I want to talk about, I want to start back. You're from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I know it might be a dumb question, but uh, Mr. Rogers was from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you ever grow up watching him? Or oh, yeah. Did? Totally. I did. Uh, because I, I saw the movie Tom Hanks did. I watched the documentary. And and I really do think we could use a guy like that right now. Because a lot of people, it, it's funny when they look at somebody positive like that. Everybody now with social media is like, oh, that's got to be fake. He can't be that great of a person. Um, do you think that's kind of troubling what social media is that we're just trying to tear people down now? That's definitely the dark side of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Now, did you see, because what, what's weird is that in radio, I don't know if it's this way in TV program directors look at that type of stuff. Now looking at what type of engagement you have, and I would never be on social media if it wasn't for what I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm, I can't even imagine some of the stuff that especially females have in broadcasting, some of the stuff that gets said to you guys on a daily basis. People are got to be rude. Yeah, they're, they're pretty rude. You know, I have to say, I've gotten my fair share of like dirty pictures and mean comments and, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, you... <sighs> I guess my parents just raised me to be like, there are two things that matter in life, your health and your family and, and you know, God and whatever you believe in the greater purpose. But like, you got to let the noise go. And I think you probably realize this too. I, th- I worked in TV for a total of, when you count, I worked through college, through most of college to add a TV station. So whatever, 15 years of that experience, you start to just like, you know, kind of let it roll off your back. But I feel for the kids growing up in this culture because I was raised for most of my childhood. I mean, I didn't get a cell phone until college and it was not, it was, it was reluctantly at that point. So I didn't grow up exposed to as much imagery and messaging. And even in some cases, like you said, hateful messages as kids these days do. So it's like really important to like really drive that message home with the kids and be like, what, what you see is not always what you get here. You know, we've already started having conversations because they're on 
um, gaming devices sometimes with their friends and cousins and stuff. I, I fully talk about um, the dangers of people presenting themselves, pretending like they're kids and then trying to come kidnap you or what, here's why we don't talk to strangers online because they can pretend like they're someone and you have to know how to protect yourself. There's, this is like a whole new world in your hands. It's, it's a world in and of itself. So I, I try to like drive this stuff home early, even though it feels like they're a little bit young. I mean, five and seven, but I have to because they're oh, they're going to be in their teenagers before you know it. Yeah, yeah, and you know they're growing up with this technology, so you have to learn how to treat it and learn what place it it should occupy in your life, which is a small spot, you know. But, I mean, I mean, now my dad, he's an older guy. He's like, the computers are going to be the ruin of this country. <laughs> and the way I look at it is, how much easier would our childhoods have been because. When you grow up, you learn a lot of things from your friends, and it's so much misinformation. How much easier it would have been if you could have just Googled something as a kid to be able to find it out that's back true. then? That's true. That's true. I mean, that's like a blessing and a curse, because you know what you find when you Google certain things. <laughs> I don't know, like, what kind of answer you would be getting, but you're right. There's like, it's definitely a, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Now, before we move on, move on from Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a foodie. And the one main reason I've wanted to visit Pittsburgh is to try one of these GD Permanti Brothers sandwiches. Have you ever, like, are, are they as good as everybody says? Yeah, they're really good. I've, I haven't had one in years now because, you know, when you're a native, you, you don't, like, hit up the spots as much that are, but... You know, I certainly have them. They're really good. We in Pittsburgh like to put fries on our sandwiches. We put fries and cheese on our salads. So like, it was weird to me. It's so good. Yes. Like, it's so good. There would be like, I'm just thinking of so many restaurants, but like, you know, they'll have your, your greens and they'll slice up some chicken. It could be either grilled or it could be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a barbecue, not barbecue, a buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Throw on some fries and cheese on top. It is so good. It's insane. It's so unhealthy, but it's so good. I just, you know, that's just what we do. But I will say this, you know, we're known in Pittsburgh, obviously for Permanis and, um, you know, that sort of end of the foodie spectrum, but there is so much good food and cuisine in Pittsburgh because the town really developed around ethnic pockets. There's Polish Hill and there's an Italian area and there's a Ukrainian area. I mean, like all the immigrants came and they, they made their own little bakeries, little sweet shops, little restaurants. And a lot of these family traditions continue to this day. And so you're getting such authentic, good food, like literally in every, in every corner of the city, it's insane. I feel like it's um, so underappreciated in that way. It's just, people are just starting to discover that side of it, but it's like, Oh, I miss the food so yeah. much. I miss now, it. now, growing up, uh, did you grow up in a big family? I have one sister. Uh, my parents are, thank God, still alive and here and together. So that was our nuclear family. But um, we're a huge Italian family. So my mom is one of four. So we had all the cousins from her side of the family in town. And my dad had a sister. So we had that side of the family in town too. So we were very much, we were together every Sunday as a family just all together. So there were 10 cousins, you know, 10 adults and my grandma would make spaghetti dinner. So every Sunday we would go down to grandma's house and just, we had the kid table, the adult table. So our nuclear family was on the smaller side, but we were constantly around the bigger family. Now this is, this is a question that I've always wanted to ask. Uh, I just got done watching. Have you had a chance to watch the uh, Apple TV show, the morning show? Have you, have you, I watched, I, I'm like not fully through, but yeah, I'm 
maybe like six or seven episodes in. I mean, it, it, it seems very soap opera-ish, but I mean, is there any, I mean, is, because in radio, it's, it's very, very cutthroat. Is TV the same way, though? Um, you know, I guess the disclaimer here is that local TV is sort of um, a lot more chill because the stakes are not as high. That being said, um, I have plenty of friends who work at the network level. I also interned at NBC in New York and got kind of to like sit and observe. Um, I think it's, pre- it's probably pretty competitive, but I will say I've never personally experienced anything any like negative side effects of that. I think probably just like in radio, there are people who want to be where they want to be, right? They want to be in the anchor chair. They want to be whatever, assigned to this beat. And you'll, you see that play out, you know, in some sort of interpersonal interactions. But I have to say, everybody in TV that I've worked with has been like delightful. And you, you, you kind of get to the point where you realize there's a whole row of offices that are in charge of these decisions. There's nothing that you can do. Like they're going to do what they do and we're the pawns in a game, right? They move us around like little chess pieces and, and you live with it. You know, you you get great opportunities, you get moved, you know, passed over. It's just kind of is what it is. But literally everyone I worked with has been, was really kind. So I feel really lucky in that way. I thought you and Bob Fryer had the best chemistry (laughs) with each other. Thanks. Um, I love Bobby. He's so fun. And I was sad to see him go. I, I really was because I've been in the area. I've been, I've been around the Orlando area as a little kid. I've always been interested in the local TV broadcasters. And I, I even knew him from his time at WKMG uh, yeah. while, while he was there. Uh, and then him moving. Also another, and, and Amy Caulfield might be one of the nicest people I've ever met in my She's life. She's so sweet. She's just truly delightful. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, such awesome people that work there. It's like, there might be weird. So I don't know. I've never seen anything. But like you said, really nice people and really talented people at work. If anything, I was just kind of in awe. Like, oh, my gosh, let me just, like, sit back. And I remember working with Bob, and he was, you know, he's so great on his feet. He's really funny. And I would just, like like oh my gosh I'm learning so much just kind of watching you do your thing and that's what good chemistry is about too like you know it's painful when you and you know chemistry how important chemistry is right when you sit next to yeah so I mean when you see two people who are fighting for the spotlight and they want to be like you know on camera and and they're not into the person next to them Mm -hmm. it feels uncomfortable for the viewer so I you know I was next to someone who was just so good and such a professional I was like I'm gonna take this opportunity to like learn how he does it because he was just he's so fun I just talked to him last week and I'm just he's a true friend and I had so much fun working with him now, as an outside observer, I, I've always looked at this, and maybe I'm way off basis. I've always thought that it's a little unfair, the double standard that the men broadcasters have versus the women, because it just seems like the men get a little bit more leadway and can age gracefully. And, 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 and I've seen too many times where, you know, the the female reporter or anchor is still good at what they do but for some reason it kind of seems like they do get pushed out the door a little bit faster than some of the guys am i off basis by saying that or or no i don't think so i mean i think in tv as in life right it's unfortunate and i think there's been a lot of movement toward um like a more positive approach toward aging um which is something i think social media has strangely helped with and and helping to sort of 
make women embrace who they are and where they are at that moment in life. But I think you're not off base in general. I, um, Even though they won't it, admit it. They no, won't they won't admit it. it. No, no, no. Uh-uh. But, but it does happen, though. You'll, you'll look at guys that are, you know, hey, he's looking kind of rough, getting a little bit older, and he, they, he's still around. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I know. It's, it's, just, it's like really one of those not fair things. I, I haven't seen it play out too closely. Like, um, I feel like the management, it's the stations I worked at was very, um, actually really valued women in their roles of, of, of power as they sort of like grew with the station. But I think it's true in general. And I, I think it just sucks. I mean, there's just like, we as a society have work to do to change the minds of people so that when they get into those positions of power and run these media companies, that they can start to value women for things beyond their looks too. Right. So it, it starts, it's, it's, a probably a gen- more generational work, but you know, we raise our kids now to sort of see beauty in, in all forms and at all ages. But I think it's definitely part of like, I don't know, like a greater cultural issue for sure. Yeah, I didn't mean to pitch you on the spot there. I no, just, you know. no, you didn't at all. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. You know, I'm raising two daughters and I want them to know they're more than what they look like. Like, yes, it's great to, I, I clearly love taking care of, you know, my, myself. I, I talk about hair products on my blog, you know, I talk about makeup. I love that side of being a woman, but I also know what it feels like to have someone to have a conversation with someone and they can't see beyond that and how frustrating and annoying it is. And I, I like most women have experienced other bad things that have come along with, you know, the whole, the whole me too movement we know about it by now. So, you know, I think it's really great to talk about because the more we are open with this, the more our girls can hear that they're valued for more than just their outward appearance. Have you, have you ever, I mean, you don't have to go into the, I mean, have you ever through your, your broadcasting career ever dealt with a me too situation at, at all or, or no? Not professionally, but personally I have. Yeah. 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 Um, one of one of the female broadcasters I have the utmost respect for because she has been around since I was even in, before in high school. It's Claire Metz. Have you ever like seen her? She is a bold. She gets out there. She's good. Yeah, and, and, and you know it's it's really interesting because she's been around for a while and she's still killing it. In my opinion, she's so smart. She's so good. I mean, that's what I mean. Like people that have grown with a station like that, that's such an asset. And you see her at work and you know, this lady like knows her stuff. So I haven't met her personally, but of course I've seen her a ton and I love it. I love that, um, you know, there's women out there that are just killing it like that. All right. I, now I, I want to get a little bit more behind the scenes with you. How did, how does somebody go about, because I know as a guy going up and, and meeting a woman or introducing yourself i gotta know how did you and your husband meet because were you on tv at the time or not i was just not here oh my gosh i don't think i've ever told this story because i'm i'm just i'm just interested because yeah that i would be intimidated to go up and talk to somebody with a strong personality like yourself yeah sure i mean i get that so i i yeah, I've never told this in full. My friends, obviously, and family know it. But so he's right behind me. That's our picture I just realized. But yeah, Andrew um, is from Orlando and I'm from Pittsburgh. I was working full time as a morning anchor at the CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh. And my sister was here and had moved from Pittsburgh, met her then husband, 
um, now ex-husband, ex but had been in Florida for a couple of years. They had started a family and they had their first baby. So I had been back and forth visiting Orlando a couple of times to, you know, see them as they moved in and as she was pregnant and the baby was here. So it was Christmas, I think in 2008, when my then brother-in-law said, I was, this is, we just, they just had had their baby. She, my niece was two weeks old. So they were like hunkered down at home and he just gotten back from a holiday party. And he's like, I ran into this you know, this friend at this holiday party and they brought up this guy's name and I haven't seen him since middle school. Like we used to be friends in middle school, but we went to different schools and he's like, I just really got, I feel like you guys would get along. I was like, well, that's kind of, you know, random. He's like, yeah, I actually haven't, you know, haven't seen him in, I don't know, probably 10 years, but I just feel like you should meet him. So like, can I just give him a call? I was like, you're going to come down anyway. You're coming to visit the baby next week. So what if, let me just give him a call and see if, you know, he's got a wife or a girlfriend, what's going on. I really feel like you guys would click. And I was like, okay, whatever. I had just broken up with a boyfriend that I had dated for seven Whoa. years, so long. And I was like, yeah, I want to come down to Florida, have fun, whatever. So my then brother-in-law calls Andrew, my husband, out of the blue. Andrew <laughs> tells the story. Like he looks and sees his info on caller ID. And he's like, oh my God, like total blast from the past. Let it go to voicemail. Cause he was, you know, indisposed at the moment, called him back. And, and my then brother-in-law was like, listen, can I just, my sister-in-law is going to come down for the weekend. We just had a baby. We can't go out. Do, would you just take her to dinner or like do something? We can't do anything. We're, we've got this newborn at home. And Andrew tells the story. He's like, oh, got on his computer and Googled me. He's like, okay, I'll take her out. So <laughs> he did, we had never, you know, obviously mm -hmm. met before. So I came down that weekend and Andrew came. It was so sweet to my sister's house and he had a little gift for the baby and um, we went out to dinner and then the next day and we went to a magic game. <laughs> and then the next day I was still, I was in town through the weekend and we ended up going out again. And then he took me to church on Sunday and I was like, Oh, this guy's he's like really nice. So like one trip turned into like talking all the time when I was back in Pittsburgh, my contract was up in Pittsburgh and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to check in Orlando. He's like, yeah, see, see if there's anything down here. And I literally applied to probably five or six jobs and the best offer I got. So not only was it great professionally because it was, you know, it was just a great offer, but my sister was also there. Andrew was also there. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I promise this isn't because of you, but I'm taking this job, like whether or not we end up together. Yeah. So I got the job down here and we continued to date and the rest is history, but it was a long distance blind date. That we that's, on. that's that is an amazing story. Now, <laughs> what, this is another question I had: Is it? It's got. There's got to be some difficulties that people don't think of. Is it hard for a husband to to be married to a a big personality like yourself on TV? Like, I mean. You know, I don't know what he does for a living and stuff, but I mean, you know, a lot of guys are like, oh, you know, they're they're the rock, they're the 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 big dog in the relationship and stuff, and then you're married to somebody that everybody in Orlando knows. You know, Andrew was always very gracious about it. Um, I do think there's naturally, like like you said, this like alpha mentality that just sort of. Now, in, in hetero relationships, at least, you know, when a man and woman are together, I think that just, you know, that's just a dynamic sometimes that's just there. Andrew was never over, Andrew was really never like that. He was always very supportive. Um, I, there was no issue with um, 
you know, people recognizing me or messaging me. I mean, he was very fine with that. The only thing that was really hard was the schedule because yeah. it was just, you know, I was gone all night or I was gone. All, yeah. It was, it was a really bad schedule. So that was like the big, big thing for us was like, oh my gosh, now we have kids. We had two kids and I was still working. I was coming home for dinner break. Cause you get dinner break instead of lunch break when you're working from two to midnight. Did you live and I, to Lake Mary? We Lake. had, yeah, we moved up to Lake Mary when I was working so that I could literally come home. We would do the five and six. The five was an hour long newscast. The six was a half hour. I would shoot my promos, literally run home. I was still nursing. I would nurse the baby to sleep. I would, you know, he would take care of our son and get him to sleep. I would wipe off my makeup, do all this kid stuff, clean whatever was left with his help. He's always been really helpful in that way. He's like, has like no issue with like, I'm going to go back to work at nine o'clock. And it was like, it was like, I was uh, like a living like three different lives all at once. It was, it was really crazy. So I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I, when I was married, I was working nighttime radio in Orlando at the time. And it, and it is difficult when you work that different schedule because mm-hmm. you know, they're working during the day, you're working at night. And, and when everybody else is supposed to be off, you're working. And, and I don't think people realize that. Yeah. And it's a sacrifice that a partner has to make. So, I mean, you know, for as great as those jobs are, and listen, I wouldn't trade what I did for anything. I'm very, I loved my job. Um, but I would say that's a big thing to think about, you know, and, and also because as a woman, yes, men can be helpful. And Andrew is, is still a super helpful and active dad and husband, but they can't have the babies. They can't nurse the babies. There's only so much anyone can step in and help you with. So ultimately just by virtue of me being the mother things I had to do. So it's just, it's, you know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot, but it was, no, we we made it work for as long as we could in that schedule. On with me right now is Sunny Abada. Check out her website, sunnyabada.com. Now, what what was the determining factor? What was the one thing and the reason that you decided to walk away from broadcast news in your prime? In your prime. Like, yeah. That oh, gosh. It was a big decision. And it was one that I probably in my gut knew I had to make about a year before I made it. And so I... Uh, it was that it was a complete lack of friendships. Am I, you know, it, you can have friends, but when you only see them once every three months, because you're never at happy hour, you're never at dinners on Saturdays because you're too tired, you know, after a week of going to bed at two in the morning, um, my friendships were suffering. My relationship was suffering. I didn't see Andrew. That was a huge driving force. I was not, you know, I was not the wife. Oh, there's someone walking up to my door. I was not the wife or the friend that I wanted to be. And it felt, it, I started becoming really keenly aware of that. And it sounds like very fifties housewife of me to say, well, that and the physical, the physical exhaustion was another actually really big factor. Um, I never quite felt rested, but I think, um, you know, you, I was trying to be everything to everyone and be a career woman and be a mom. And you just cannot do it all at once. You can't, there is no woman in history who's been able to do it all, all at once. And so I had to really come to terms with what will I be happier having done when I look back in my life. Now I say this knowing that not everybody's in the position to step away from the job. So I don't want to offend anyone by saying this was just my reality. Yeah. Um, so I thought, gosh, when I look back, I feel like I, as far as my job, I hit the marks that I wanted to hit. Unless I was going to try to move beyond this market and move to a bigger market or try for network, there was nothing left for me to 
professionally strive for. I loved my job. I had a great job. I had a great coworker. I had a great boss. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out in a great amongst a great group of professional people. So I, it was those, it was those factors though. It's my friendships, my relationship and my physical exhaustion. And it just, um, it's a lot. You just, you just start to realize, Oh my gosh, I have to make a call or I'm going to drive myself into the ground with management. Management must've been freaking out when you told them, right? I mean, did they try to like throw some more money or try to sweeten the pot for you a little bit? They they did sweeten the pot for me. And I went back for a year and every day that year I was like, I should, and this is not a knock on my bosses. They were so, they were great. I loved them. Um, But I went back and I was for that extra year because I had quit Mm. and they were like, my news director was like, just come in. Let's, let's just talk about this. Cause he called me. I needed to, you know, with contract deadlines. So I was like, I'm going to call you at this time tomorrow. Let me know your thoughts. What are you going to resign? So he called me that morning. I was like, I'm out. I'm so sorry. I love it here, but I, I'm feeling really called to, I'm feeling like I need to be at home. I can't explain why. I just know that I can't be doing this. And so he's like, just come in and talk to us when you get here. So I came in, I ended up signing a short term um, with a couple outs and I got to that first out and I ended up leaving. They, they made it great. They have, they were amazing. There was nothing they didn't do right. It just wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I got tired of pretending like I couldn't hear that voice inside of me every day. I was like, no, no, yeah. feel right. You know? And I had two kids at home. I got unexpectedly pregnant with our third. So I was like, I need, I need this break from that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be nice to be there for your kids all the time now. Because now, you said your oldest was around seven. I mean, did they ever get to see you? Like, or were they too young to yeah. realize what mom does for a living? No, they did. They did. In fact, my son, I, I the last story I covered was Hurricane Matthew. So, um, you know, I was going in and I was leaving them at home at my in-laws place with Andrew while I went to work for like, you know, continuous coverage. And for a while, they would be like, you're not on the TV anymore. Why is mommy not on TV? So my son was definitely old enough to know. My daughter was too, our middle, our middle girl. But, um, you know, now they're just like, what are they? I'm just, they're like, their laundry and their cook. They're, they're laundress and their cook. They're like, oh, wait, what? You had a life before us? <laughs> so. Yeah. Now, so any, anything you miss about it or like, I mean, you everybody is going to make, you're not going to be a hundred percent like happy with everything. There's going to be some stuff you missed. I'm sure the relationships you had with the people you saw. Yes. That, that's, that is the thing that I miss. I miss my people. Like I, I told you, we would, we would laugh so much. Like Bob and I laughed a lot at work. It was just never a boring day. So I miss those friendships and I miss really feeling like I was doing the job I was meant to do. Like I never, I never went into work and was like, Oh, this job. So I loved, I just loved living in that world. So I missed that, but I will say that sort of circling back to social media and technology, I have been able to continue to connect with people through my podcast and my writing in a way that's been so meaningful. And while it may not be through the traditional channels of being on TV or being that face in the community. I still, you know, I still have tons of people who I hear from that used to watch that now listen to the podcast or so, you know, it's definitely a trade-off, but I would say those are the things that I miss or the people. And, and, you know, now that you're doing your own thing, I mean, you see a lot of people, people like, well, you people get into broadcasts and make a lot of money and, and become rich and famous. That's not the case, especially in radio. I know that. 
I mean, unless you're getting on a big network somewhere, I mean, you're, you're not like people, people have this perception of broadcasters, like they're, you know, just killing it, but it's a struggle though sometimes. Yeah, it is. And I think you would agree. It's, it's work that you do from your heart because you love it. It's not like, like you said, it's not like anybody loves getting up at three o'clock in the morning to anchor a 4 a.m. morning newscast or love staying up till midnight. But I do feel like there's a true calling aspect to this. And I loved being, I was like the kid in school who like, liked doing book reports. Cause I liked being like, listen, you're not going to believe this. Look what I found out. So this job for me was like literally my true calling. And to, to an extent that the podcast and the blog are still, so I have that outlet still, but you're right. It's not like you get in. That's why the people who are in it for the wrong reasons will always, not the wrong reasons, but thinking they're going to, you know, make a ton of money will always probably end up leaving because you don't, you don't get there anytime soon. I can tell you that, but it's fun work. It's amazing work. But what I've found out more about doing the podcast, see, because now we're living in an age where you don't have to be on the TV. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be on radio because I mean, heck, look at Joe Rogan. Okay. Joe Rogan, the guy just signed a humongous deal for a podcast he started a long time ago. It's insane. And he was an early, an early adopter of the technology. So I think the lesson now is as people continue to get into this space. And I know with my show, there's, there's also, it's like a halt in growth because of the sort of, I don't know, endless um, new podcasts that are coming out every day. But yeah, those early adopters, I mean, they're killing it. People starting their own podcast networks. and But people like this kind of information, like what you're doing, it's great because I can pick it up and pop in my earbuds and listen while I wash the dishes. It's, it's on your time and it's when it works for you and it's topics that you want to hear about. So I know when people come and listen to my show, they want to hear about certain things and that's what I do. And it's great. It's well, I, I, I've noticed, and, and I know you're busy and, and, and I don't want to take up because I could sit, literally, I could sit here and talk uh, shop for like hours, but I, <laughs> you know, mom, but, uh, and I'll about five more minutes and, and yeah, no worries. I've got, I got a sitter here this morning so I could do this. Okay. This is my peaceful time. <laughs> So, so what I've noticed about doing stuff online is you actually get to see real st- statistics on it because a lot of people don't understand how the ratings and stuff works in TV and especially in radio. My God, it, if I told people the sampling size on the ratings and stuff, it would absolutely blow their minds because... I mean, it's such a small slice of people that get a PPM meter or a book or something like that, that you really don't get the real flow of how you're doing with this. You can log on and look at your analytics on a daily basis and and see your growth on a daily basis. Awesome. Yeah. You're right. Even in TV, I remember them being like, oh, there's like, I don't know, this is, don't take this number for gospel. Like, you know, what 300 books that went out, which yeah. for, for people listening, it's like, you know, people that record their, their viewing habits and they use that as a sampling of who is number one in the market. And I remember being like, did anyone ever think that was a great idea? Like what? There's like millions of people here and we're going to hand out 329 bucks and we're going to get a great idea of, you know, I don't know if it's that number, but you're right. And it is, it is fun. It's really cool to see in the digital space right away how your work is being received. It's really cool. Has, has, since you've been doing your blog and your podcast, have you had any feedback from people that have said, 
wow, uh, Sonny, this, this really helped me out. You, you really gave me some advice or I learned something. And, and that's got to be a little bit different because when you're just ripping and reading the news on a daily basis, mm-hmm. they don't get to see you as a person. They just see you as somebody that's delivering the news now. Have you so had anybody that shared their experiences with you? Yes. In fact, I just did a podcast with a woman named Alicia Kozak, who I mentioned her briefly earlier, is a survivor from like online, right? So her story is insane. She was literally rescued by FBI agents after she had been driven across state lines. I mean, it is the most intense, crazy story. Her, her work is now dedicated toward educating kids on the internet safety and passing laws to sort of um, bolster uh, budgets for that type of protection. Anyway, that I cannot tell you how many parents were like, oh my God, because of this episode and because of what she said, I'm talking to my kids about online safety. I, I can't believe something like this happened. Holy, you know, holy crap, thanks for bringing her on. I mean, it's cool. Like it's, and it's stuff that, you know, people are actually going to use in their daily life. Whereas if you're reading a, off a list of, you know, 10 news stories that day, maybe, maybe one impacts you, maybe you know, but, but this is, you, you drill down, you drill into topics and you, you have the ability to really like talk about them and hash them out. So I I just, I love it so much. Do you you think that, that the big news media outlets are going to look at how podcasts and online content has evolved and become, do you think that they're going to fight it? Or do you think that they're going to, they're going to have to go in that direction because I think people are getting tired of just regular news the way it's being delivered. I agree. Um, yes, I think the writing has been on the wall for some time that it's, it's time for a little bit of an evolution. And you already see big groups like iHeartRadio has a podcast group that they put their talent on or have shows that they... So you're already starting to see the big corporations sort of elbow in on this space, which you know that it's hot when people start doing that. Um, it is, I will say, like... <laughs> little underdog moment here. It is frustrating to be in that space and to be someone who is putting out great content and feeling like, I mean, because these massive companies are now in this world, your stuff just gets pushed out. So it is kind of like, oh, like really does a celebrity, you know, does Alec Baldwin really need a podcast? Like, I think it's, you know, it's like, oh my God, let us have, let us little people have the space a little bit, but it is what it is because it is such an amazing medium that everybody wants to be in on it. And I totally get that. Yeah. It used to frustrate me so much being in radio, you cut your teeth, you learn the business. And then you see like a serious XM satellite who went through this. They were given every single celebrity out there, their own show. And I'm like, yes, they're good. They have opinions, but they haven't had to pay their dues in the business. They haven't had to be an intern and and get people their coffee or or just do random mm-hmm. bs for people just to make a name or or work your way that's up. why i love supporting and listening to shows that are like by people who kind of came up on their own you know without being not necessarily i'm sure some celebrities have great podcasts and it's not a knock on who they are as people but you know, the, the most interesting stories are the ones we haven't heard. Like, we got you guys. All you famous people, we got you. We know your stories. It's all good. You're smart. You're mm-hmm. funny. We get it. But I want to hear people's stories that we, ha- we haven't met yet. And it's just such a doing that, which is all to say, like, you, the hustle every week just to get a 
show off the ground. And I literally do everything by myself, except editing. I just pass that off because there's only so much you can do. What, your so audio it, or video? Audio. Okay. Well, come on. If you need, if you need a good editor, that's what I did uh, for the longest time. I need to get in touch, but you're busy with your own thing. I don't want to take time away. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen. I'll edit your promos. I'll edit all that stuff for you. I I promise. (laughs) I promise I will pay a fair wage. Oh, I listen. I, I because I mean, I, so long, man. It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. But I, I mean, it's because a lot of these hosts, they get in, a lot of them don't even know how to run their own board. I worked at Real Radio for the longest time, and if one of the producers didn't show up or was at a promotion the night before and got a little too drunk, the host has no clue how to, like, even turn the damn thing on. I will say that was me and the TV. Like, we were spoiled, you know? We literally went to set, sat our butts on the chair and put our microphone on. Now, in some shops, it's union, so we couldn't do it. Like, in Pittsburgh, I was not allowed to touch anything. But it was not union down here. And I'm, like, so embarrassed. I was one of those spoiled talent people that would just be like, test one, two, one, two. And that's, like, the extent of what I I had to do. But, you know, it is very humbling, and it is really empowering to – I always call them my babies. Like, I feel like every week that I put out a show, it's like I'm having another baby. I'm putting my heart and soul and I'm making it good and I'm putting it out into the world. So it's like really gratifying to like be in on all of the work in that process. Now, it's, it's got to be hard being a newscaster uh, and, and it's got to happen to the best of them. Just reading all the depressing stuff that happens in the world. Hey, was there ever a story that you that you covered as a reporter or an anchor that was like that affected you like personally at all i mean i I don't mean to get too deep or no 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 no, that's okay i'm just thinking um yes i yes i'm thinking of one situation always the stories about children were very difficult i on more than one occasion had to take my earpiece out and i was crying and like bob had to take over for a second i mean especially after becoming a parent those stories began to impact me differently i also was at in Shanksville, in, in Pennsylvania, one of the 9-11 crash sites, yeah. right, like well before the um, memorial was up. And that was a very haunting experience that I will never forget. Um, okay, just like lots, anything. I mean, even even what on the news seems like a run-of-the-mill crime story, and I do that with air quotes because everybody's life is – one crime story is not less important or meaningful than another. It's all one life lost, right? And all – all lives are equal. So it was always kind of like, man, here I am standing somewhere where someone literally just lost their life. And this is going to be a 45 second, you know, piece on the news of the sound. It just felt, which it has to be right. Because, you know, you have a lot to cover, but it was always like blew my mind. Like, Oh my gosh, we're really dealing with life and death. We had a story in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a lot of bridges and, um, there's one that was right adjacent to my old station. And there was a guy that crawled up to the bridge and was ready to jump off the bridge. And I'm a 21 year old reporter trainee. This is like my first, maybe three months on the job. And I'm like, holy, you like this, this guy's life is like, this doesn't feel right to, but you have to cover it. I mean, the bridge was, it was a whole thing. It's so, there's so many moments in news, which is why it, there are so many moments in news that are literally life and death and they're all meaningful impactful in their way which is why it is a job that 
it needs to be, you know, the people in it continue to treat it with respect because it's not just like we're talking celebrity gossip, every, you know, it's real deal stuff. And it's someone's life is changed every day. The stories that we cover have forever changed one or two or 10 families lives. So you have to bear that in mind. What is a soundbite to you or a 10 sec is literally a family's entire world. So keeping that in mind really helps keep your head on straight. Yeah. You know? I, I've always like wanted, I was like, cause I, you know, in radio, you get a little bit more leadway and I did a lot of the man on the street stuff. That's where like, I made a name for myself. I was going out and I, I don't get embarrassed. See, that's why I always thought I would have been a great reporter because I will ask anything and everything. And I really just don't give a damn. And, and I know that sometimes that is a bad thing. It's ended a lot of relationships I've had. Uh, but I ended up covering the Casey Anthony trial for, for the longest time when I was working in Tampa with Bubba the Love Sponge. And, and um, it was crazy because a lot of these reporters, they wouldn't press the issue. And, and I was asking these questions every single day to them. And they just started ignoring me. And Cheney Mason, you remember that picture of Cheney Mason flipping the bird out yes. with, during... That was at me because I was hounding him. What were you asking that made him so defensive? Well, okay. So, so the first couple of days I was asking some pretty decent questions. And then, you know, they made it seem like they didn't want the press bothering them. Mm -hmm. Now, the way it was set up, a lot of people don't realize this, is that their office, their law office was, at, I think, it at the Bank of America building uh, right across the corner from the courthouse. Right. They could have gotten in a car driven around, gone into the garage at the courthouse and, and avoided all the press. But no, they wanted to be in front of the camera. So they would walk that like four or five football field long. And I guess I ended up asking a question. And oh, but then Cheney, I got Cheney to like curse me out like <laughs> while a bunch of reporters were around. Um, but they started ignoring me. And I was like, if you guys aren't going to like at, even answer any of my questions that means I'm just going to ask the most ridiculous stuff mm -hmm. that I can ask every single day and they they started getting really really angry and then that day whenever they were celebrating I was like knocking on the door trying to get a, a quote and Cheney just walked right up and was like yeah they, they. that's crazy I totally remember I remember that image and I remember that moment because I mean that was a really highly emotional time around yeah. this town and Jane Velez Mitchell was standing, you know, at behind it, and she comes up, and, and they they freaked out about it. And I was like, it's not a big deal. It's cable TV news, so it wasn't like over the broadcast here. She was like, what did what did Cheney just do? And then I flipped the bird into the camera, and she like got so angry at me, and I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about right, it at right, the time, but. Yeah, it, w it was pretty crazy, but he did, um, he never mentioned me by name in his book, but he was like, there was this one jackal uh, reporter, he called me a jackal, and he was like, <laughs> and some of the questions, like, listen, I've done a lot of stuff I'm not proud of in radio, because radio, we, we push the envelope sometimes, right, right. But I think one of the questions that I asked, and, and, and I'm probably going to lose a lot of respect with you, but um they had a bunch of uh, female paralegals that were sitting there and, and they had given me a question. And I said, I, I asked Cheney, I said, are you worried about your female uh, legal team? God, I, I feel like such a scumbag when I asked this. I said, 
are you afraid that they're going to spend so much time with Casey that their their cycles are going to match? Oh my gosh! No, you didn't. Oh my god! And, yeah, I did. I feel like such. A were you so were you just trying to get a reaction or? Yes, because I told them if you're going to ignore me, I'm just going to ask every single stupid question I could ask, and and I I regret a lot of things that I asked. Uh, but yeah, that was the one uh, question that Cheney put in the book that that was like, yeah, that's me. And then and more and more as I've grown and I've gotten older, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I've done a lot of really, really messed up stuff. And and I don't know, I, I have a lot of regrets and, and I'm trying to make up for them and stuff. I don't know if that makes sense. It totally that, does. I, you know, I, I it, know it, it, it takes... Um a lot of like, you know, it, it takes someone to stand up and say, okay, you know what? I screwed up. And there, I feel like there's a lesson in that for everyone. Admit that what you did was wrong. And also like, remember that like in this day and age, nothing is ever forgotten and things are recorded and your reputation. I mean, like your reputation is always on the line these days because we always have one of these, you know, oh, nearby. Yeah. Someone's always got one. So you gotta, you gotta behave accordingly, you know? But that's yeah, good. At least I, I realize what you did, you know? Yeah, no, but but that's the thing. That's everybody asks it. And and I think that's why, you know, when I earlier I said radio radio is the rats of broadcasting, because we kinda are, because you know, we try to do shocking things to make it meaningful. Right. It's more performance than it is. I mean, like in news, like I said, we're not dealing with our own like you guys are, were able to talk about your lives and like, it was more personal. Like I, I like that that was separate for me because I never wanted to get on in the air and be like, oh my God, you're not going to believe my husband. Because that's going to have lasting implications. My, my, my kids don't, didn't choose to be on TV. I'm not going to slap, you know, their stories. I mean, like, you know, I talk in, in general terms about their stuff, but I try to be aware of that because especially as a, as a writer and as a creative person, I know the importance of understanding one's own story and being able to write your own, you know, life story. And I never want to be that partner or that mother that's like telling the world so much about my kids that I'm inadvertently pegging them as, okay, this is my crazy one. And this is my funny one. And I don't want to do that. I think what if my mom and dad had done that to me, like, you know, put me out there. To, so I'm, I guess long story short to say, I'm grateful that news kind of kept me in a lane because, and it is great you know, to bring your family in and, and, or bring your personal life into your story, because of course they're in your life. But when you start making it about them or in your case, you know, trying to be as sensational as you can, it can come back to bite you. And you oh, have, yeah. I, I always have that in the back of my mind, like, am I going to regret this 10 years? From, like, what if the PTA president from my kid's school came up and said, you know, you sounded like a real sailor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, not that I don't swear or whatever, but I tr I think about that oh, stuff. I made one of your videos the other day where you you kind of you let one rip, and I was like, oh. I love swearing. I mean, <laughs> I do. I swear all the time. I mean, I do on social media all the time. But you know, like nothing that's going to last longer than a sto an Instagram story. Yeah, but but it was it was great because remember when you were a kid and like you saw maybe mm -hmm. the first time you saw one of your teachers or something out, and you maybe heard them curse or you saw them at a bar yes. or something, you're like, oh my God, the teacher, you know, because <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks TV people are like these like saints and everything. And I'm sure that 
they're just real people like everybody else. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You like, you know, I like swearing just much as I I feel like I kind of painted myself in a corner. I have to be like, well behaved from here on out. I mean, there's certainly a lot of, um, inappropriate things, topics and things that are discussed, but I do try to keep that in the back of my mind because like the digital footprint is real, you know? Well, well, Sonny, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I, I didn't mean to take up a full hour. I looked down, but so I mean, that's, that, that's how, you know, a uh, conversation is going well when it flies by like that. Uh, SonnyAbata.com. And if there's anything I can ever do, uh, I'm working with a couple of other people. Uh, do you remember uh, Jana Shelfer, Jana Banana? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, of course. Radio. She's doing a blog now. She's doing a lot of motivational stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Well. And, and I, these connections, because you know how we had said that there's just so many people and there's just so much content out there. I'm, I'm helping her as well as um. Jack Bradshaw's wife, Naomi Bradshaw, uh, he's the program director at Real Radio. She's awesome. doing a blog. And, and I want to start working with these local co- uh, online content people because I think we're all stronger together helping promote each other and stuff. So if there's I love that I can ever do, please feel free to reach out. Thank you. Thank you I so much. I because I, I think if we work together, the opportunities of us reaching a larger audience is, is that much better. I totally agree. I, can I mention a, a project that I'm about to launch too? I mean, I would love to actually have your help on this too. So I'm in the middle of my podcast right now. It's called 30 something with Sunny, but I'm in the middle of a rebrand and I'm launching in actually three weeks from now, um, a, a live talk show, digital talk show. And the audio is going to be ripped for the podcast. It's called, we got to talk because I don't want to, you know, I'm getting beyond the 30 something stage and I'm really all about getting uncomfortable and talking like real talk on, on very like on big topics. So the whole vibe of the show is like pretty much what we did here. It's like getting in, digging, digging deep on big topics. And I can't wait. It's launching September, the week of September 14th. So come check out, we got to talk. It'll be video and it'll be both. And yeah, I'm going to rip the audio for the podcast. Where are you, where are you uh, filming it at? Like at your house? Are you building a studio or did you? I got to do it from home for now until the Corona virus is no longer an issue. So yeah, I'm going to be just doing it from here for now. But I mean, I'm all uh, for my podcast for 30 something. I'm already doing video with people. I'm already doing this, but, um, but the show's kind of taken a turn now because while I enjoyed talking about topics that were relevant to the thirties for this podcast, it's been up for a year and a half. It'll be two years in November. I want this is my passion. I like love asking uncomfortable questions. I love digging deep. I love big topics. We're going to talk about, oh gosh, we're going to talk about infidelity. We're going to talk about, um, untraditional relationships. We're going to talk about women's health topics. We're going to, I mean, there's just so much. We're getting like really juicy and I can't wait. Well, I'm, I'm going to look forward to it. And if you ever need help producing behind the scenes, uh, feel free to reach out. I'd be more than happy to help out any way I can. Thank you. I so appreciate that. And thank you for having me on. It's so fun to like actually have a long chat with you. And that's show for today thanks for listening to the Tuttle daily podcast hey don't be a dickhead do us a favor share like and subscribe to the show also check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com the Tuttle daily podcast was brought to you by total wireless of palm bay stitchyouup.com pocketbearclub.com special thanks to show intern hannah 
and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents. Show voiceover services brought to you by jcvoiceoverservices.com. That guy's got a goddamn sexy voice. You should hire him. If you want to help support the show, paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? You want to let Tuttle know he's being a dick? Go to Tuttle at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two D's dot net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast.